uh, we got clear directive from the commissioners how we were going to be doing. The protocols that we had submitted to our governor, uh, some of them were declined, and so we had to wait for some direction there for us then to be able to set up. And then we debated, do we, do we really try to launch this in two days? And we was, yeah, let's just get together. It may not be perfect, but let's get together. We'll launch it in two days. And so I know there's been some technical things in the other buildings. Uh, there's a technical issue here in the main building in that one of our projectors isn't working. So we, we, we just work through those things, right, and, and just show grace and patience. And I know that those that are up in the blacksmith shop, <clears throat> you're having a whole new experience worshiping in that setting. Um, it's a man cave. It's, it's not designed for what we're using it for right now. But uh, what an experience. <laughs> Wanda said to me today, they're learning what it was like behind the Iron Curtain and how it was when we first started going in behind the Iron Curtain. They just met wherever they could meet. And that's how it is in China and in other places today, in, in other parts of the world. They just meet where they can meet, you know, and are glad to do that. And we're glad, aren't we? Yeah. Amen. We are. Hallelujah. Wow. Francis uh, Chadwick was the number one female swimmer in 1950. She began her swimming career at four years of age, but did not win a meet until she was 10 years old. She was the first child to swim the San Diego Bay Channel. In 1948, she began training to swim the English Channel, and on August 8, 1950, she broke the 24-year-old record for women swimming from France to England. She made the swim in 13 hours and 23 minutes. When she came out of the water on the cliffs of Dover, she was asked how she felt. This was her answer. I felt like I could get back in the water and swim back to France again. She did not do so that day, but a year later, she was standing on the cliffs of Dover, this time preparing to swim the opposite direction, going from England to France. It was a feat believed to be impossible for women swimmers because the strong winds and the rough tides that were constantly working against the swimmer she had to wait 11 long weeks for the weather to become such that she could make the swim. The day she entered the English Channel heading for France, heavy winds blew. The unfavorable and dense fog covered the channel. Partway across the channel, Florence had to take seasickness medicine. 16 hours and 22 minutes after leaving the shores of England, she became the first woman to complete that swim. Two years later, on September 4th, 1953, she again swam from England to France in 14 hours and 42 minutes, breaking her own record. 
October 12, 1955, she again entered the waters from the cliffs of Dover to swim the channel to France. This time she made the swim in an amazing 13 hours and 55 minutes. In 1953, Miss Chadwick broke the male record for swimming the Straits of Gibraltar. She made that crossing in five hours and six minutes. Then in 1951, Florence attempted to break the record for swimming the 21 miles from the Catalina Islands off the California coast to Palos Verdes. The swim was made extremely difficult because the water was unusually cold. Her arms and legs became numb after only a few minutes of swimming. Several times the assistants in the support boat had to fire shots to chase sharks away from her swimming path. The greatest obstacle facing Florence was the extreme dense fog that had settled in over the waters. Just a few hours after she began her swim, she was crying out to her handlers in the boat, I can't see land. Can you see land? As frustration and discouragement began to settle onto her spirit, it became almost unbearable. And that became an even greater obstacle than the dense fog that continued to shroud her and keep her eyes from being able to see shore. Although her trainers begged her to continue, the exhausted swimmer insisted on being removed from the water. I can't see land, she cried. The fog was so thick that no one could see and know for certain her location on the course. In a matter of moments, they discovered she was only a half mile from completing the 21-mile swim. I'm not excusing myself, she said later in a news conference, but if I could have seen the coast, I think I could have made it. One year later in 1952, Florence completed the swim from Catalina in 13 hours and 47 minutes and 32 seconds, breaking the old record set by a male swimmer 27 years earlier. The obstacles facing Florence that day in 1951, the sharks, the numbing cold water, the dense fog, one of the greatest obstacles was she couldn't see her destination. She couldn't see where she was going. And not being able to have clear sight became discouraging, disheartening, and finally she gave up because she couldn't see where she was going. She couldn't see the destination. You know that happens to men and women of God. 
that happens to young people. We lose sight of our destination. We lose sight of where we're going. Sometimes it's because the things going on around us create such a fog of emotion that our spiritual eyes lose sight of Jesus. We lose sight of heaven. That's why the, the apostle wrote in the book of Hebrews, he said, laying aside the weight and sin that does so easily beset us, let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Because when we can keep our eyes on Jesus and we can keep our vision clear, we can keep on running no matter how difficult the task is. But when the fog sets in, we begin losing sight of that. That's why the writer of Proverbs in chapter 29, verse 18, he said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. We lose sight. We lose sight. And what happens? Literally, one translation says, they begin living without restraint. When we lose vision of Jesus, when we lose vision of heaven, then we begin thinking the real fulfillment is here in this world, on planet Earth, in this culture, in this society, and we will begin living unrestrained. And that is exactly what happened to the nation of Israel and Judah in the 6th and 7th centuries B.C. The idols that Jeroboam had set up, the golden calves in the northern ten nations began worshiping them. And after years, they totally lost restraint. And they became so, so corrupt and so defiled that God allowed Assyria to come in and conquer But Judah was not far behind. And God used his prophet Isaiah to warn Judah and Jerusalem. You're becoming like your sister Israel. And and actually, actually, Isaiah used Sodom and Gomorrah as how corrupt Judah and Jerusalem was becoming if they didn't guard themselves. And he gave words of instruction to you and I of how to live in a time of crisis. You know, the way way our nation is going right now, the sheltering in place, the lockdown that we've been in, the things that we've been facing around the world, be real easy for Christians to lose their sight of Jesus and heaven. Be real easy for the fog of this stuff to just settle in and we would lose sight and we would lose direction and we begin to become disheartened and discouraged 
in our walk with Jesus. And, and when the enemy can get us into that kind of a fog, then he can get us misdirected. And so the, the prophet Isaiah gave us some really clear warnings that we need to follow. It's found in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 8 to 14. Do not say a conspiracy concerning all this that the people call a conspiracy. God did not say a conspiracy was not happening. He was telling the true believers what? In their eyes, the world system and all that is taking place around there. Don't let that become your focus. And I'm seeing that happen today. I cannot tell you how many videos has been sent to me over the last eight weeks. All of it about the conspiracy that's going on and what's going on. And I get it. I'm not saying that there's not something going on, that there's not a deeper issue. But what I'm saying is, is if we keep our focus there, we're going to lose sight of our mission. We're going to lose our vision. We're going to forget that this is not our kingdom. Our kingdom is heaven. And that's why he's saying to them, keep your focus. Don't get your focus off of God. Don't get your eyes off of God. Listen to what he went on to say. This, this is so beautiful. He said to them, he said, The Lord of hosts, him you'll hallow. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. He will be your sanctuary. God had a very clear message for his people. Did not look at this situation and get so focused on what's going on around you that you lose your vision. There are some important words that God wants to give to the remnant of today. God's people. You see, even though, even though the world is is going astray. God has a remnant. God has a people. And he's giving specific instruction to the remnant. And this whole Isaiah chapter 8 is God giving specific instruction to the remnant, to the people of God that had not turned their back on the living God, that had not begun worshiping idols of gold and silver, that had not entered into the moral decay that, it was that had taken over the culture, they were staying true to the Lord, and God was wanting to give them specific instruction that would help them to consistently walk victorious while the world around them was decaying, and while many of God's people were backslidden and going away from the Lord. You know what? It's important that we take a really clear and honest look at the Christian church in America. We got, we got to be honest with ourselves. We got to be honest with our own heart. The vast majority of the Christian churches in America are Laodicean. 
We, ju we just got to be honest with ourselves about that. And they're, and they're getting colder and colder. And I got to tell you, during this whole time of sheltering in place, and when we couldn't gather, I found so many of the churches more focused on making sure their music and everything was top shelf, and the message was very shallow, and, and, and they, they weren't looking forward to getting back. Now, yes, there's a remnant, and thank God for that remnant that's been standing up and, 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 and proclaiming. But I'm really concerned for the church in America and where she is at right now. I'm concerned about where America is at right now. As of yesterday, the official count was 61 million 628,584 pre-born babies have been sacrificed in our nation since 1973. Think about that. Think about that. That is six times... Maybe, no, more than that. Over 10 times the size of the state of Oregon. And what are there, four and a half million people in the state of Oregon? Think about that. I mean, that's tragic. That is tragedy. The elderly. I could tell you, you if you haven't been into senior centers and rest homes lately, the number of our elderly that are neglected, that are completely abandoned by families, and yes, elderly and disabled that are being euthanized in this nation. Our, our nation is becoming soaked in innocent blood. Soaked. Goodness and righteousness is now being spoken of as evil. Yeah. You know, those that stand up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. This sex trafficking that's going on, the level of immorality in our nation, I mean, how, how is it possible that a whole system like Jeffrey Epstein can go on and and?" Key leaders in our nation even knew what was going on, even participated in it, and no one was stopping it? Really? The level of, of evil, and yet when you speak out against these things, you are the evil one. You are the wicked one. Those that speak out for goodness and righteousness have become evil, and those who propagate the evil and the darkness and the moral decay. They are now the good ones. They're the good guys. The celebration that we're seeing over same-sex relationships and same-sex marriages. And you know what's double tragedy, folks? Is how much the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has bought into this. The church, how many Christians 
when you stand up for living a holy life, living morally pure. But see, what's the message become in the house of God? It goes something like this. You know, God's grace is so broad and so wide. And God understands young people hooking up on the weekends. God understands singles going to bars on the weekends. God understands. God understands. God loves you, those of you that are living together before you're married. God loves you. God understands. God's grace, he covers you. It goes something like that. And we've made it so broad until now, gender dysphoria and same-sex relationships are being embraced even inside the church. And the number of Christian churches that are now celebrating same-sex marriages and celebrating same-sex couples' adoptions and and doing baby dedications for same-sex couples that adopt... And you see this going on in the Christian church embracing the same evil and the same moral decay. And and when that happens, dear ones, and when it becomes a, a major segment of the Christian church, the light in a nation starts going out and that nation just goes further into darkness and it brings God's judgment and God's wrath. God has no choice but to rebuke and discipline a nation. And that's why Isaiah said, and for this cause, his hand is outstretched still. And it was not a hand reaching out to save and to heal. It was a hand reaching out to discipline, to correct, and to rebuke. And yet in all of this, God has a remnant. In all of this, God has a remnant. God has a remnant. God does not abandon his people. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you thankful God has a remnant in all of this? And and I got to tell you, I I know it it may sound really, really bad. And it, it is really, really bad. When we look around us, it really is evil. What is going on is evil. The level of sex trafficking, the level of drug trafficking, the level of this stuff that's going on, it is evil. But I want to tell you, God has a remnant. He has a remnant, a people whose heart is still true to him, a people whose heart is still going out after him, a people who is saying, Almighty God, you are holy and I'm going to live holy. And I want want you to know, that is Living Faith Church. We are a part of that remnant of making true disciples for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is who we are. Amen. Look at what God's message was to the remnant. Isaiah 8, 16 to 18, bind up the testimony, seal up the law among my disciples, and I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob. I will seek him, here am I, and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells in Mount Zion. Five really, really important principles that God gives to his children in that statement. 
Five principles that you and I must walk in today. Five principles that I hope will strengthen you. Strengthen you. And those that are worshiping with us online, I pray this strengthens you to stand strong in the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. I know the fog can get dense. I know there are sharks in the water. And I know there will be those who will say, well, I'm a Christian and I don't have to do that. You're just being critical and judgmental. Don't let that stuff discourage you. Don't let the sharks discourage you. Keep, come on, come on. Keep running the race. Stand up, stand strong. Get your eyes fixed squarely on Jesus. Keep heaven in your heart. Seek those things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Be encouraged. I hope these five things help. I hope they help. Wow. Wow. Did you notice in there, he says, among my disciples. Does that shock you that you find disciples in the Old Testament? (laughs) Isaiah Isaiah literally is a gospel in the Old Testament. It's amazing. Be encouraged. The first thing he says is to stay true to the word of God. That's the first principle. We've got to stay true to the word of God. It grieves my heart how many evangelical pastors are now weakening their stance in the Word of God. They'll preach a whole sermon, and they may have one little phrase from the Bible all in there. They don't really teach the Word of God. And there are even some that are evangelicals who are saying the Bible the Bible is not the foundation of the Christian faith and never has been. And you kind of go, wait a minute, what planet have you been on? Yeah. What about the Reformation when it says Scripture alone? What, what, what are we saying, really? It's always been the Word. And you go, well, I'm not sure. May I remind you that Jesus in John chapter 15, the passage we read today, he said, you are already clean by the Word I've spoken to you. How about this from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, when he said that he might sanctify them and cleanse them by the washing of the water, the word. Or how about 2 Timothy 3, 16, and all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely furnished, may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Sounds to me like the word of God is the foundation of our faith. Amen? We got to stay true to the word of God. We must stay true to the word of God. Jude said, I've written this to you that you might earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. We've got to stay true to the word of God. Dear ones, listen to me. You've got, you've got 
to take the Holy Bible and it's got to become your very life source. Listen to how he said it here. I, the prophet Isaiah, the first thing he said was, is bind it. Bind it. Interesting. Interesting. Bind up the testimony. Literally in the Hebrew, it is tie it to your heart. Tie it to your mind. And you, th you think about what it's saying. Tie it to your heart. Tie it to your mind. Man, I... I think about what he said in, in Jeremiah, and then it's quoted in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 16. This is the covenant I'll make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my law in their hearts, on their minds will I write them. Tie the word of God to your heart and to your mind. Remember what he said to Joshua? He said, Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Do not let my law depart from your mouth. Give yourself wholly unto it. Meditate on it day and night, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. Bind up the testimony. And the testimony are the stories of God. See, there's, there's the law of God. But there's the testimonies of God. How God worked with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Esther, David. How God worked in situations. How God, how God led the children of Israel across the Red Sea on, the dry, on dry ground. The stories of God. How God gave Israel a victory without raising one sword, one shield, one spear, they didn't have to shoot one arrow, they simply put the praisers and singers out front, and while the praising and singing was going on, the enemy confused themselves and killed themselves, and when Israel got there, they'd won the victory. The testimonies of God. Learn the stories, learn the testimonies. That's why in our, in our super kids, when a child comes in to super kids at four years old, by the time they have finished the fifth grade, they have gone through every major Bible story, Old Testament and New Testament. They have memorized large blocks of Scripture. Why? We want them to hear the testimonies of God. Listen to how King David wrote it in Psalm 19 when he said this. He said that the testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Now, when he's talking about the simple, he's meaning the untaught, the untrained, the unlearned. And he's saying, when you teach the unlearned the testimonies of God, they're sure, they're certain, they're absolutely true, and it will give them wisdom. They will begin seeing God's ways. Amen? He said to not only bind up the testimony, but he said to seal the law among my disciples. Seal the law among my disciples. A seal was when 
an official document was made a legal document by putting a bit of wax and then the king, the government official, or if it was a legal document from a family, the patriarch, he either had a boli or he had a ring with the family seal or with the seal of the government on it, the shield, and in that soft wax, he would put that official seal when he lifted it off. That wax would harden and it would have the official shield of that family or that government, that state, that nation, and that made it a legal document that could not be nullified. And Almighty God is saying, I want you to take my law. I want you to take my word, including the Ten Commandments. Take the principles and precepts of my word and imprint them on your heart and make them the legal document by which you live your life. Operate out of that authority. Learn the authority you have from my word. My word has authority. Take the principles and precepts of my word and put them as a legal document in your heart and then declare them as a legal document. Speak them as a legal document. Declare them as a legal document. The enemy cannot override my word. My word will stop the enemy. Amen. David said, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Amen? Wow. Wow. Mm. Here's the next principle. The next principle is learn. You got to remain abiding in the vine, Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the vine. We got to remain abiding in him. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever have you ever told God, "I got this, God. I got this." Now, I know how that's worked for me. Has it worked for you the same way it's worked for me? Not big red circle with a red line through it. Not, <laughs> right? It doesn't work, does it? We got, we've got to remain abiding in the vine. It's just critical to our life. Isaiah said, I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob. I will seek him. I will wait on the Lord. I will seek him. God's hiding his face from the house of Jacob because the majority of the house of Jacob has turned their back on him. They're going after idols. They're, they're living in immorality. They've, they've completely denied the word of God. And so God's, God's turned his face away from them. But the remnant, God's turned his face towards the remnant. And when we look at our nation today and we realize that across our nation we are giving more honor and respect to Islam and to the Muslim religion, we're giving more honor and respect to the Eastern religions and to, and to uh, 
to uh, uh, necromancy and, and to witchcraft and sorcery than we are to Almighty God. We've removed God from our public arena as much as we possibly can. Almighty God is turning his face away from them, but there is a remnant. God has a remnant. And to that remnant, he wants to be face to face. But we have to set our heart. We've got to make it the aim of our life to seek him with our whole heart. To seek him with our whole heart. We must. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. King David wrote it this way. When you seek my face, my heart. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Then he said, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. We've got to seek him with all our heart. We've got to make him the passion of our life. Here's the next thing. Not only seek him, we've got to wait on him. We've got to learn to wait on him. And this is a learned thing. It's just like learning to ride a bicycle. You've got to learn how to do it. It doesn't just come automatically. And the reason is because you can sit waiting on the Lord and you're waiting on the Lord and you can't see him. And your mind will start wandering. You will start thinking of everything you've needed to do over the last month that you haven't got done yet. And you have to learn to discipline yourself to learn to wait on him, to wait in his presence. And though you can't see him, to learn his voice, to learn his presence. Oh, there you are, Lord. There you are. There you are. Lord, I hear your voice speaking to me. But it's only when you get into that quiet place and you don't get in a hurry and you don't let your mind wander all over. And when it starts to wander, you bring it back. Starts to wander, you bring it back. Starts to wander, you bring it back. You, you, you develop the discipline. You learn to wait on him. You learn to wait in his presence. And it's interesting because in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for waiting, it means to, bri to, to braid a cord. Scripture says a threefold cord is not easily broken. You're literally braiding your life with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as you wait on him. Listen, Isaiah said, I will wait on the Lord who hides his face from the house of Jacob. King David again, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Wait on the Lord. Wow. You got to remain in the vine. And it is not easy in this scenario we're living in today. You know, it's interesting. 
this sheltering in place, it depends on the individual, whether they, some have worked harder during the sheltering in place than they did before. Some, they've been laid off with pay. Others have completely lost their jobs or they've had to close their businesses down. They're, they're a small business owner. They've had to close their business down. And in all of this, you had thought, boy, we got more time to wait on the Lord. And actually, it's more distracting. It's more distracting. It's more difficult to wait on the Lord in the midst of this than maybe at any other time. And I, I want to urge you, I want to urge you would, you, would you shut off some of the videos and the talking heads that you've been listening to and wait on the Lord? This is a time to put our heart fully on Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? Even those that are watching at home, would you take this time to maybe kneel beside the chair where you're at? Or if you can't kneel, would you stand with us? Those in, in, in the, the other two buildings, would you stand with me right now? And would you just lift your hands to Jesus and just begin praising him audibly. Don't have to shout it out, but just audibly begin praising the Lord. Lift your praise to him. Lord, we praise you. We praise you. Lord, I am praying for everyone that's hearing my voice right now that your presence would manifest in their heart would you reveal yourself to them right now, Lord? As they're praising you and worshiping you, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to them the presence of Almighty God? Would you, would you just assure them he is with them right now? He is with them right there, right where they're at, right in, right in that living room, right, right at that breakfast table, someone, someone watching. Lord, I pray I pray your holy presence would manifest right now in a strong and mighty way in Jesus' name. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that, that you're doing that. Almighty God, your holy power, your holy presence touching hearts. And right now, in the name of Jesus, if you have never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin and come live in your heart, would you do that right now, wherever you are, right there? Someone is listening to me online right now, and you have grown up in a Christian home. You've known all about Jesus, but never in your life have you given yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you asked Jesus to come and become the Lord of your life? You've never done that. And, I'm, and you know God's drawing your heart over the last several days, you have felt God drawing your heart. And I'm saying right now, come on, give your life to Jesus right now. Ask him, Lord Jesus, forgive my sin. Jesus, come into my heart and make me a new person. Give me a new heart. And he's doing that right now. He's hearing your cry. He's coming into your heart right now. There's also someone listening to me right now. You've been backslidden, and you've been away from God. 
You, you have been going to church but you have with your family, but you have been backslidden, and you've been backslidden for some time, and it's Jesus is calling you back right now, and I'm urging you, come back to him right now. In the name of Jesus, come back to him right now. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to restore you. Ask him to restore you right now in Jesus' name. And whether you're in, the, in one of the other buildings, or you're here in the worship center with me, if, if any of this has been you, I'm going to ask you right now just to lift your hand. There's a pastor in the, in the worship center. There's a pastor in the other two buildings watching. Just lift your hand. Pray for me, pastor. I'm, I'm coming back to the Lord. I'm giving my heart to the Lord. Just lift your hand up and down. They want to pray for you. Amen. 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 Father, right now, you're hearing the prayers of those that are, that are saying to you, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. Maybe for the first time, or maybe they've been backslidden, but they're coming back to you. Lord, they want to be true disciples, authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for that. And we give you praise for that in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. And now, I want to speak to the pastors in the other buildings, those that raised their hands. If you'll just step out from where you are, the pastors want to pray for you. We want to get a Bible and a discipleship book to you. Those that are online, worshiping with me online, if you would, in the comments section, just say, I prayed. So all you got to do is say, I prayed. I want to send a Bible to you and a discipleship book to you. It would so encourage you. It would so strengthen you and help you. Child of God, maybe a disciple of God that has been just through this time, you've, you've been just struggling with discouragement. You've been just struggling with this heartache. I got a book that will help you so much. It's entitled Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. That's the Greek word for God kind of love, Charis. And you can order that at Amazon.com or you can, you can send a text or an email to the church office. We'll get a copy to you. Uh, or you can, you can even, even in the comments section right now, just write the book Charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, and we will get a copy of that book to you. It'll be an encouragement to your heart and a strength to you in, at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Those that are in the three buildings may ask you to be seated for just a few moments. I've got some very important information to share with you about our coming weeks, about our coming weeks and where we're going. I want to share that with you right now. Those that have been prayed for, God bless you. I look forward to getting a Bible, a discipleship book to you. That's going to be so encouraging to you. But let me share uh, with those that are a part of our church family here locally we, uh, we have three weeks today, next Sunday, and the 31st of May, <clears throat> these three weeks at the current phase one of the reopening of our county. Then after 21 days, be praying the governor approves our county to go into phase two. We'll be able to have more people together, okay? Now, I don't know the exact number yet. I know the number we recommended 
But the governor didn't accept our recommendation for these three Sundays. So we got to pray she'll accept the recommendation. Because that's a hundred, okay? That would be a hundred here, a hundred in one of our other buildings. And the blacksmith shop only holds 25. But praise God, out of our 350 people that's a part of our church family, it would be great to be able to get over 200 of them together. Amen? So be praying. But... These three weeks, we're doing this, and, and we're kind of rotating. Uh, we only, obviously, we only have 75 of our 350 people gathering today. So next Sunday, we're going to rotate some of the others in so that they can gather. And we're going to show grace and love to one another, amen, amen. and share. And uh, so we'll, we'll be doing that over these three weeks. But uh, boy, thank God we can gather. Now... I also want to share with you that Wednesday night, uh, our, our uh, Wednesday night Bible study, we're meeting. We can have 25. We meet right here in the worship center, sitting around tables, and uh, we meet together. And also, um, uh, in one of our other buildings, the children meet. They can have, have up to 25. The children meet, and so uh, that's fun on Wednesday night. Our Wednesday night is also on Zoom, we still do the Zoom broadcast of our Wednesday night study of the book of Revelation. But I'd like you to know that starting this Thursday and Friday, Fusion is going to be meeting. On Thursday nights, middle schoolers will meet in the Fusion room and, uh, and up to 25. And then on Friday night, the high schoolers meet. And so uh, that starts this week at 7 o'clock. So pass the word around, invite your friends, come to Fusion on Thursday night for middle schoolers, Friday night for high schoolers. Going to be a great, great time. Praise God. Well, it's so good to be able to say we're gathering back together again, okay? I'd also like to let you know that on the Living Faith Church YouTube channel, Living Faith Church-Hermiston, uh, we have all of the uh, weeks of the study of the book of Revelation is there. All of them are there, so you can uh, go there and uh, study those. Uh, also, we have all of the Discipleship 101 series is up on that channel. And so you can get the Discipleship 101 book, The Joy of Walking with Jesus. And uh, you can listen to the study and then do the workbook. And uh, that, uh, that's available now. And if you want to get that workbook, uh, you can get it at Amazon.com. You can also get it at my blog site, fdeanhackett.com. Or you can contact the church office and, uh, and order it from our bookstore here. So uh, uh, make, make, there's three ways that you can get those discipleship books. Our, um, according to our current protocol. We are not publicly receiving offerings. Um, we, we can't pass the offering plates. And so we're still using the same three methods that we have been sharing with you over all of these weeks. You can go to winacity.com in the upper right-hand corner. Click on the drop-down menu, and you'll see Give there. Click on the Give button, and uh, that opens up our very secure uh, giving on the website. 
Uh, you can also set up an automatic draw if you wish. Uh, you can mail in your tithe and offering to uh, Post Office Box 310, Living Faith Church, Post Office Box 310, Hermiston, Oregon. Or uh, Monday through Thursday, the office is open from uh, 9 a.m. to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You can stop by the office and drop your tithe and offering by the office. And uh, so that, uh, those are the three ways that you can, you can participate in the giving. would like to share with you that uh, our mission ministries are continuing. They're regathering. They're able to regather in Croatia and in Bosnia-Herzegovina. Praise God. They're regathering uh, fully, and uh, that's great. Uh, but during this time when, uh, when they've had sheltering in place, our ministry in Bosnia-Herzegovina has been ministering to families in need. Their, um, their economy completely crashed. And, uh, and they've been able to, uh, they've been able, the, the, ch the church that we're supporting there has been able to take and purchase groceries for families that didn't have groceries and, and, uh, and other things like that. They've been able to assist. What a great way that we've been able to touch families that way. And I want you to know our giving to them has been such an, uh, a strength to them that has enabled them to do that. And uh, the pastor, uh, Dario, has developed a, um, a, a beehive ministry where, where they are, uh, they are uh, collecting the honey and selling the honey, and that's enabling him to employ some of the people in his congregation that are unemployed. And uh, uh, the unemployment rate is absolutely off the charts. It would make our unemployment look tiny, Okay. And the same thing has happened in Croatia. Their economy has just almost totally crashed. And uh, their unemployment rate that had been over 20% has gone off the charts. And, uh, and so we need to pray for those ministries. Amen? And I just want to remind you that your faithfulness in your tithe and in your offerings and in your mission giving that enables us to underwrite those ministries and help those ministries continue to reach people. Thank you for your faithfulness. It means so much. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate communion, and, uh, and it's, going to be, it's going to be done a little bit differently than we, than we are used to doing it, but we're going to celebrate communion, and uh, I can't wait for us. Ooh, <clears throat> Sorry to celebrate communion together with you, to celebrate our Lord's table. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand? I want to bless you and dismiss you. <clears throat> it is so good to be able to speak this blessing over you today. The Word of God says, that when a prophet blesses and speaks a blessing, that that blessing remains. And you will remember that Almighty God gave to Moses and to the priests of Israel a blessing to speak over the people, that that blessing would remain upon them. And right now, in the authority of Jesus' name, I declare, Lord, that this blessing will remain 
upon our church family, upon those that are listening to us, worshiping with us in our online family. In the authority of Jesus' name, may his grace strengthen you in the inner man. May his peace guard and protect and keep your mind and your heart in serenity. And may his favor surround you like a shield from all of the weapons of the enemy in the authority of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, dear ones. God bless you. Yes, give Jesus a clap and a praise. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. God bless you, those that have been worshiping in our online family, those that are in our three buildings. God bless you. Have a blessed Lord's Day. Good day.